0: RadioInfluence.com Welcome to another edition of The Real Animals Podcast Always presented by my good friends At Contender Boats Again, super excited today We've got a great guest Uh, My guest today is the host of Guide Tales TV uh, As well as one of the best Captains, the best guides on the east coast of Florida, probably in the state of Florida, but I don't want to inflate his head too big, uh, get him too you know excited. But we got we got to give him his due, his due props because he is a, he's a great guy, he's a great angler, he's a great guide. Uh, lives in the Jensen Beach area, so he is my good friend, Captain Ed Zayak. Eddie, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on.
0: You're welcome, dude. I appreciate you. Uh, given us a little time. I know the, uh, the guide world is always busy uh, and the TV world is even busier. So I know you've always got stuff to do, but, uh, we'll try to make this not too painful on you. I'm, I'm super excited to, to get to interview you here, um, and bring your story to, to my listeners. I, I my, my Eddie Zayak experience, you know, a lot of the stuff you and I, uh, we spent some time fishing against one another on tour. Um, is is really where I got to know you, and and you spent some time, I know, fishing with Captain Jeff Page, who's a who's a great tournament angler. Um, and, and Jeffrey speaks very very highly of your skill set. How does how does your journey start, Eddie? How does how does you know little Eddie Zayak become Captain Ed Zayak? You know, super popular fishing guide and, you know, host of a TV show. And how does that whole journey start and, and how does it bring you to this point?
1: Well, um, you know, I grew up right here in Martin County and our little town of Stewart, Port Salerno, Jensen Beach was just a sleepy little area in the state with outstanding fishing. And growing up here, you know, we were, we had, basically we had the best of everything we could fish we could surf we could hunt and that's all we did so you know me and my group of buddies we were either in the woods on the water on the beach that was just our lifestyle so growing up it was just fishing was interwoven into everything that we we were doing and um you know went to school went to college and I actually was an automotive technician. So I, I loved building Jeeps and Broncos and things like that. So I kind of started down that road and, you know, but I was fishing every day before and after. And um, what really gave me the kind of the kick to go is um, I was running so hard that I ended up getting a little bit of carpal tunnel in both hands. And uh, I went to this doctor and I was just young you know was early 20s, and he said, uh, what's your plan? I said, uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't have a plan. I wanted you to fix my hands, and I'd go back to work. <laughs> and he said, no, I mean, like, long term. And I was like, well, that's all I got. He's like, look, he said, you're a young guy. He's like, you got your whole life ahead of you. Get out of there and go do something you really love. What are you passionate about? And I said, the outdoors. He said, find a way to make a living doing that. And I never even thought about that And that was kind of the kit in the bite I needed. You know, I went immediately. I had everything. I had my boat. I had my knowledge. And I went and got my captain's license. And I just started that journey. I started locally right here in Jensen Beach. I started working at a local tackle shop that's kind of an iconic landmark in Jensen Beach. It's a snook-nook bait and tackle. Been there since 1949. That's where I started. And I was just working in there, learning a lot from the older guys and, and fishing hard and You know, back then there was no social media or any way to to grow other than just put your head down and go. And that's what I did and just worked really hard and got lucky and met some good guys. And that snowballed into these relationships I now have with, you know, of course, all the companies that I partner with. That's just been very, very, very fortunate that, you know, combination of right place, right time, hard work, and uh, a real passion for what I'm doing so that's how I ended up where I am today and I'm so thankful that that old doctor gave me a kick in the butt I needed to get out of there and, and go for it so
0: yeah that's very cool thankful that's for a, that yeah that's a very cool story when you when you say lucky I think about uh, I always whenever somebody says that word I think about my father because um, I had I had used that a couple times uh, when I was getting my journey started here and um, you know, this happened, the radio show happened and this happened, whatever. And I remember telling my dad one time, wow, I just, you know, wow, we just got lucky. And my dad didn't even blink. And he looked at me and he said, luck is just where opportunity and preparation meet. There's no such thing as luck. You have to have the opportunity. And when that opportunity presents itself, you have to be prepared. So it sounds like to me that you were, you were in the right place at the right time, but you were prepared to take that step. And I think it's a lot easier today. You touched on the fact that there's no social media uh, back when you and I started this game. You know, heck, when I first started, there weren't even websites. You know, I mean, websites were just starting to become a thing, and they definitely weren't a thing for fishing guides yet. Um, So, you know, it just like you said, you got to put your head down. You gotta, you know, you got to do some gigs, maybe where you don't get paid you were given every seminar you could possibly give you know every invite you didn't turn nothing down cuz it was all about give, getting your name out there you know drive halfway across the state to give a seminar to six people um and just hope one of them called you for a charter um that was just kind of the way you know that's kind of the way we
1: That's right 100% yeah. yeah
0: it was just the way you know my wife would be like was that really worth it and i'm like no that one probably not but uh you just you, you just you you have it gives, yeah you got to go and you got to just never- Never know, right right for sure and then I've i've done
1: a few of those things mike where i've done a few of those seminars where i'm talking to three or four people and one guy ends up being a guy that you finish for the next 20 years next year will be 25 years in business for me and i have people that i've been fishing since the first year in business and it is it's just so cool to look back and and just see exactly what you said. Drive across the state, do a seminar for half a dozen people, and one of them, boom, yeah. is with you for life, it seems like. Yeah. And uh, that's cool stuff. Yeah. You know? And I remember when I first started, I would handwrite a fishing report, and I would go to the Stewart News, and they'd let me borrow their fax machine. I'd fax it to Jim Hardy, a writer down in, in Miami. And I'd fax him one. I sent him one every two weeks, and he would put me in the paper, you know, as much yeah. as he could, but he didn't want to overdo it. But every two weeks, I would handwrite it and go fax it. And uh, I just ran across, like, a folder with my hand, some of my handwritten reports, you know, from 25 years ago. It's uh, It's been a fun journey. You know, what I really love about this industry, though, is, like, guys like yourself, guys like Jeff, you know, the good guys that are in it in the business for this long that we're all really good buddies and we've been through a ton of stuff over the years together, but it's like you know, I could pick the phone up tomorrow and call Jeff and he would show up over here to help me do whatever it was, no questions asked. Yeah, you know, hundred percent And those are the kind of bonds and relationships that you form with these guys. You know, it's like it's just it's so awesome to be part of something like this.
0: You know, I think you even form those relationships with your customers. Um, And and I think, I think it's the one thing that stands out to me the most about, you know, some of the new guides and and I'm not picking on them because I'm sure we had the same thing going on, you know, when we started, there was guys who started when we started, who didn't make it. And there's guys who are running charters now that I look at them and I'm like, I don't think you're going to make it. And it's not that they can't fish. It's they they don't understand the people side of it. This is a people business. It's a people business. It's not only, and it's not only just how you treat your customers, but it's how you treat the other guides in the industry. Because I've been saying for years that, you know, the guy who shows up in the, in the guide business and who is always 100% secretive, never smiles at nobody, never talks to nobody, never tells anybody where the bait is, never, you know, he's always trying to play superhero. He knows something everybody else don't know. Sooner or later, you need your buddies on the water. It might not be for fish. It might just be that you broke down. <laughs> or you know, who knows what it is. I mean, it could be a million different things. Um, but it, it's it's a people business. And I think the best of the best, the guys who have been doing it, you know, like yourself and like Jeff Page and Jamie Goodwin and a lot of the guys that are in that 25, 30-year range with us of time in this industry... To me, it's the it's the if you if you just look up the one common denominator with all those people, and yes, they can all fish. That's obvious. If you've been guiding for 25 or 30 years, you can fish. That's a given. But it's the people. It's understanding people. It's being a people person. That's such a huge part of this industry. Um, And if you have, you know, when you first said, you know, I've I've got people that have been fishing with me since year one. That's because you're a people person. Those people fish with you. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who catch fish, Ed. I don't think there's a lot of guys that do it as well as you do it, but there's some other guys who do it. There's definitely guys in Tampa Bay that are better than I am at catching fish. But you, it's, it's the people skills. You know what I mean? It's understanding people. It's those friendships that I think are, you know, I tell people all the time, the fishing business is a people business. It's not just about running and grinding and putting them on fish all the time. It's about, you know, remembering their kids' names and and talking to them. You know, they're your friends. They turn into your friends. So to me, that's one of the most beautiful things.
1: They turn into into great friends, and it's cool now to see, like, these little— Kids that were just a giant pain in the butt, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago are now coming back and they're married and some of them are having kids. So it's like, wow, this is really happening. Like I'm watching this, my career just right before my eyes, just like, it is amazing to see it happen. And man, I've done so many things that were, you know, I've had a lot of crappy jobs. I love <laughs> I love, guys. I love fishing. I love the relationships with the customers. My other guide buddies, you know, that's just so odd to me, the guys that are like that, super secretive. And, you know, it's the stuff we're doing today, trust me, there was guys doing it way before us. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, I see guys talk about live chumming snook, and, you know, I saw somebody posting, and it was almost like, they just discovered this technique, but I remember being 10 years old watching Butch Constable do that in Cope Sound. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, you, you know, yeah, wait. <laughs> <Right>. 40, <laughs> 40, let's see, 40 years ago now. Yeah. yeah. So none of it's new. It may be new to us, but, you know, it's just, uh, it's just too much fun and too great of a business with good people that act like a knucklehead and not really enjoy it. And when you act like that, you really, you're, you're losing a lot of the enjoyment out of it because the camaraderie is what makes it, you know, the fellowship and with the guides and have a buddy like you, you know, we call up and catch up and talk and, you know, I bumped into you at ICAST and it was like, it was like we hadn't, it was like we just saw each other last week, yep. you know, it's there. Yep. And uh, man, if you, if you don't have that type of mindset and relationship in this business, like you're really missing out. You a, I I feel bad for you because it's a, uh, it's too much fun.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Let's, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about, let's talk about the Stewart Jensen beach area a little bit. Um, I know there's a lot of listeners to the podcast that have probably never been there. So tell us a little bit about your estuary. Tell us, uh, you know, I've fished over there. Luckily, I've fished over there a couple times. It's a beautiful fishery. Uh, But I know it's changing, just like all of the Florida estuaries are. Kind of give us a breakdown on what you're seeing in the Jensen Beach-Stewart area.
1: Sure. Uh, So Jensen Beach-Stewart is situated on the south end of the Indian River Lagoon. And Stewart itself is uh, a convergence of the St. Lucie River and the Indian River and the Atlantic Ocean. So, you know... The Gulf Stream is only a few miles offshore. We have excellent fishing inshore, nearshore, and a huge variety of species. So growing up, I always wanted to travel and go all these other places that I've heard of, and I managed to do a lot of that. And there's some wonderful places, but I never realized exactly how good we have it right here. So on any given day, we can be inshore, start out on a topwater bite for snook, sun comes up, we run out on the beach, we grab some baits, we run offshore, 8, 10 miles, we're catching sailfish, mahi, blackfin tuna. It's a little bit later in the morning, we push back in. Now I'm in 30, 40 feet of water, and I'm chumming up. I need a kingfish for my guys on fly, and and then I go to the beach itself, and I'm running looking for schools of tarpon, permit, and cobia. So it's uh, an incredible amount of diversity which is great for a person like me because if I do the same thing for too long, I kind of get a little bit bored with it. And here, you know, right about the time you get tired of, you know, you may not be chasing the same species, but you're going to be doing it completely different throughout the year. So right about the time I get tired of doing all that, it'll change a little bit. And now I'm doing something completely different. Still a ton of fun. Uh, We've had some issues here. Obviously, I'm sure if if people are listening to your podcast, they're probably aware of, all of the issues we all face here in the state of florida but we had about 90 percent of all of our seagrass just disappeared and really it happened really quick probably within the last seven years and um when that happened we took a, a huge hit to all of our inshore species especially like sea trout and we were Really well known for some of the biggest sea trout in the world, really. The state record was 17 pounds, seven ounces, and that came from just up the road in Fort Pierce. And, uh, you know, when you launch out of Jensen, you're a fishing steward to Fort Pierce pretty much regularly. So, with that disappearing, um, it was pretty frustrating, you know, for me because that was my, my real passion was chasing those giant trout on any given season, we'd have 10 or more trout that were 10 pounds or better wow. on artificial. So that was just a magic thing for me, and I just was completely ate up with that. And with the loss of habitat, it that really has changed. We still catch some big ones, but not nearly like we used to, and definitely not on artificials as much as we
0: do those fish go? So do those be- do those fish go away, Ed, or do they move? Are they non-existent now, or do you think they just move to a to a different because they lose that they lose the safety of the grass? Do they, you know, the I mean, there's you know potholes, ambush points. I mean, what 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 is your what is your thought process on what happened to that incredible fishery? So the way I see it is
1: that. You know, some of them did relocate because now I'll catch a lot more back up in the, the St. Lucie River when I'm snook fishing around docks or bridges, we'll catch an eight or nine pound trout, which is a great fish. However, I do know that the numbers of these fish are, are way, way down, too. Uh, and I feel like that's probably just from predation, you know, before they had that grass to hide in. So without the grass, they're very vulnerable, you know shards, bluefish, corpus would just come in and wreak havoc. And, of course, you know, at the point where that started to decline, we still had uh, commercial fishing for trial, hook and line. So a lot of the big ones just went out, and then those numbers plummeted and they just haven't recovered. They don't. There's not enough, really, habitat or food here to produce what we used to have. There's no right.
0: way it, it could hold that. Because at one point if you look at the Indian River, it was like
1: every piece of grass, every pothole was full of pinfish, pigfish, fish, crustaceans. It was just teeming with life for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. And now that is just bare sand. So that's stuff is gone. The habitat that's left, you know, you have your crustaceans and your bait fish, but it's just a fraction of what was there seven years ago. So therefore, there's no way we could sustain the number of fish that we used to have. Um, we would go north in the Indian River and we would drift and, and just kind of throw plugs and you know, cork and plastic and chug along and it was nothing to catch 20, twenty, thirty trout, then go over to a shoreline and, you know, throw some top waters for some big fish. And if that got a little slow I could just drift back out to three feet of water and, you know, our trout were Anywhere between 15 and 20 inches, we'd catch a bunch of those. And that's a pretty fun way to fill your day up, you know, mix it up. So it's just changed, and therefore I had to change. And me being a little bit stubborn, I, you know, I was really bummed for a little while there and trying to force it, trying to figure out where did it go. But, you know, I had to come to the realization, like I said, that the numbers are way down. It's different, and I needed to change with my fishery. So I have, you know, I think we spoke a little bit about it briefly, but, you know, now I'm spending more time out in the Atlantic, you know, on the beach, uh, offshore a little bit more. So how and what I do has definitely changed. And I used to be able to do it all. out of an 18-foot skiff, and I remember I'd burn six gallons of fuel per trip. And uh, that's changed a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, those – uh yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, I know that I loved, uh, I loved coming over there to that fishery uh, for many, many years, and, and chasing those big trout around it was a pretty special place. So, is there an estuary? Obviously, I know you loved that, you know, Stewart Jensen Beach estuary. Um, but is there another estuary? If somebody said, "Hey, what's your favorite place to fish on the planet?" I'll ask you just point blank. If you could fish one more place, one more estuary for the rest of your life, where would it be and why? Woo. You get to do a I lot of it. You, you can fish it a lot, but you can only fish one estuary.
1: I think I would go to, no, I know I would go to the Lower Laguna Madre, in Texas. Mm. And it is one
0: of
1: the most pristine, beautiful Fisheries there is in our country. It reminds me of the Indian River. Thirty years ago, lush grass. Only it's like a super-sized version. And there's great trout fishing, excellent red fishing. There's tarpon on the beach. Push off. There's snapper to be caught out there. Um, And it's incredibly scenic. It's wild on the real south end of it. There's not a lot of development just an incredible place. The people are great. The fishing's fantastic. I love, I really love it down there and I go probably three or four times a year. I do fish down there. Really? So I think if I had to pick one, yeah, if I had to pick one, I probably would kind of meander down that way and, you know, I do like to hunt too, so there's excellent hunting opportunities to force down in South Texas and uh, I would, I'd probably would head west.
0: You're going to need to call your old buddy Captain Mike when you make that trip next time and see if there's room for a big old fella. Because I've never fished it. I, I've never fished Texas. It's on my list. I would really enjoy Texas. Might have to bring the old Contender Bay out there and film a show with Ed Zayak, maybe. I like that idea.
1: Oh, I'd love that. You know, Texas is a huge state, and coastwise, you know, there's a lot of different looks. You know, it's completely different down in South Texas than it is up around galveston so the water down in south texas is kind of like the waters in your neck it was clear uh sight fishing opportunities and it's just so immense and so open There's a, you know you never feel crowded and what i really like about it is you know like i was saying when i was a kid everybody here on the weekend we were either in the woods or on the water and it seems like that's the way it is kind of down there in south texas it's like you know, that's what folks do. They like to hunt. They like to fish. They love the outdoors. And my, you know, my area now has changed quite a bit. We have a lot of influx of new people moving in, and they should have different things they like to do. So, you know, it's uh, it's different than it was. But when I go back there, I kind of feel like I'm going back home almost because it's like this is what it, this reminds me of growing up here in South Florida 30 years ago, 40 years ago.
0: You got me sold. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to pack my bag this afternoon and go out there. It sounds like a beautiful place.
1: Yeah, no, dude, you, trust me, you would love it down there. You know, I'm telling you, it is fantastic. So yeah, I would do that. that Now I do want to say that I kind of painted the picture here of all that habitat being destroyed, but you know, um, I was kind of bummed out with the situation and how everything was going. However, now that I said, okay, I'm changing with it. I'm going to go, you know, I never usually, you know, I didn't used to go out and chase sailfish and blackfin tuna in my Like just, I was chasing giant, you know, monster trout when all that was going on. But now that's what I'm doing. And I'm excited by it. You know, I'm practicing my rigs. You know, my wife came by the other day and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm practicing these rigs. She's like, haven't you been doing this for like your whole life? I'm like, yeah, but this is new. You know, I have to, And I'm like, I'm stoked. I'm really excited to do it. Um, It kind of got me like refired up, I guess, almost. You know, I got over my stuff, that other stuff being gone, and I'm took off on this new direction. And man, I'm I'm really liking it. You know, it's fun. That ocean's cool. There's a lot of fun stuff to do. And you know, now I'm not chasing 12, 13 pound trout, but those sailfish are pretty cool
0: yeah blackfin tuna are cool yeah blackfin tuna are cool (laughs) sailfish are cool yeah no doubt no doubt I wouldn't listen I've seen you fish I'll put nothing I'd put nothing past you my friend I know you can catch him but if it swims Eddie Zieg will figure out how to catch it
1: and what's fun is those folks have been fishing with you for so long they're having the same journey with me so like they're all about it too you know they're like wait we're not going to fish no we're going to go out and do this and then you know, so it's like, it's fun for me to share my excitement with them. They're excited. It's like, we're all growing into this, you know, and I'll come into the beach and I'll chum up those Benita kingfish. And A lot of my offshore buddies are like, man, we fish way out to get away from those guys. But for me, my journey and my customers, it's still fun. Like, we're all about that. I may get to a point where I'm tired of them too, but right now, they go hard. I like it. <laughs> so it's fun. <laughs>
0: Beautiful thing, no doubt about that. Let's talk about Guide Tales TV a little bit. How did this? Uh, how did this come about? how did this adventure uh, come to come to life for you?
1: Well, um, you know, I do a lot of traveling, and I fish all over the country. And one of the areas I've been going to regularly was uh, Panama City Beach, which would be like my. If I didn't go to Texas, I would stop in Panama. City, and that would be the estuary that I fish for the rest of my life. Um, very similar. But uh, so my buddies there, um, actually, we were fishing together and doing some photo shoots together and shooting some videos together. And, you know, uh, they had, my buddy Jamie had produced some other shows, worked for ESPN, uh, worked with Jose, Spanish Fly, that program was his. And, you know, he wanted to do something else and approach me. And so I said, sure. You know, I never really had any aspirations to be on TV. It just kind of evolved out of doing this and, you know, meeting different people and doing different things. So I said, yeah, let's give it a shot. And I like the idea of the show because, you know, we do make so many cool relationships doing this. And when you – go and fish with a guy for a week you become really good friends you know like you said you're become a close you close you know you're like family you pick up the phone you want to hang out and tell their story it's interesting so guys tales really is about going different places and fishing with some different guys and you know catching some fish and having a good time but really learn about that that guy telling the story about his area just something interesting so that's how that started and it's going well and uh you know, the most fun part of TV is actually going and fishing yeah no all doubt. the other stuff is kind of like work <laughs> no, no doubt <laughs> yeah.
0: no doubt about it so what what yeah, season? what season about what, that too. yeah what season are you in for God's Tales TV season two season two okay very cool and how where, where where do people find it is there a place they can find it now
1: sure yeah of course it's on uh YouTube and um, It airs on Sportsman's Full Fishing Network. It's on Outdoor America. So, you know, with all the different ways you can watch it, it's a lot of different places. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's fun. Uh, It's interesting, you know, when we used to sit around and wait for a show to come on at, you know, 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Nobody really does that anymore. They just watch it when they want to watch it. So, <laughs> right, kind of cool, right? Yeah. I can pull that show up and watch it on Outdoor America or whatever, anytime right here on my phone.
0: It's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, uh, I, I, it's interesting. You don't, you don't tell people so much anymore about, you know, the networks as often, you know, yes, we're on sportsman's channel and all that stuff, but you, you tell them, Hey, you can watch it here whenever you want. You watch all the old seasons whenever you want. So it's, it's kind of cool the way that game has evolved for us, uh, in, in the fishing business for sure. So what's what's on tap for Guides Tales TV? Are you do you have a do you have a plan ahead of you? When do you launch your new season? What all what all can our listeners look forward to?
1: Yeah, well, we'll be starting to film probably the end of this month, and uh, you know we'll be filming all the way from Texas probably up to the Carolinas, South Carolina, and throughout Florida. So you should see kind of a lot of diversity inshore short stuff some near short stuff maybe a little offshore stuff and um, yeah hope to keep it fun and exciting and uh, keep people tuning in and check it out
0: so uh,
1: that's kind of how like I look at it like if this thing if it's going to be fun and exciting for me to go do it then I figure somebody else might like to see that too
0: for sure yeah, catch the experience. If it gets you excited, who's been doing it for ever since you were a little kid, then it's definitely going to excite the viewer. There's no doubt about that. So, how does uh, how do people get a hold of Captain Eddie Zayak if they're coming to Stuart Jensen Beach area and they want to they want to hire a fishing guide? What's the best way to reach you?
1: So many different ways right now, but of course, you know I'm on Instagram, Captain Ed Zayak Fishing. Um, Facebook, of course. So a message through them, or they can reach out directly, send me an email, or my phone. Either way,
0: um. put your put your put your phone number out there so everybody's got it, Eddie. <laughs> Sir it's
1: 772 uh,
0: One of uh, one of the truly great great guys in the uh, in the fishing industry. Um, I've been following you for a long time, uh, ever since social media started and you started playing on there. And, uh, I, I wish you all the luck in the world with your show. I'd love to get together sometime and, and fish together. Um, that would be awesome. Maybe we can even get you uh, calling in the radio shows with a report from over there at Jensen beach and get some of these. Tampa people to come over there and enjoy that estuary with you. I think that would be uh, that would be good stuff. So uh, I appreciate you giving us some time, brother. I know you're busy and uh, and uh, it's still great to get caught up with you.
1: Mike, thanks so much. I enjoyed it. Anytime, reach out. Let's do something, and I'd love to call in and give you a
0: report. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll uh, we'll chat about that soon. We'll get that ramped up and uh, get you some love coming from the West Coast as well because you deserve it, my friend. Again, the best uh, to you, the uh, The show, Guide's Tales TV, super good stuff. Uh, again, Captain Eddie Zayak, one of the best fishermen I know, period, uh, and one of the best guys as well. So thanks so much for your time today, brother. We appreciate you.
1: Thanks, Mike. Take care, and I'll hopefully
0: see you soon. All right, pal. Count on it. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode of The Real Animals Podcast as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Captain Eddie Zayak is a, an old, near and dear friend of mine. Just a really, really great fisherman, a great human being. He was a super tough angler to uh, to go up against on the tournament trail. Uh, him and Jeffrey Page fishing together was I used to look at them two in the boat and think, that's just not fair. Those two animals in one boat and having to try to beat those guys on a regular basis was never, never easy. He's a great fishing guide over there, super fishy guy. If you're over there in the Stewart-Jensen Beach area, definitely check him out. Check out his show. Again, he's the host of Guides Tales TV, a great new program that is launched on Sportsman's Channel and some other places there, uh, World Fishing Network as well. So check it out for sure. Again, Captain Eddie Zayak, great, great guy, great interview. I enjoyed that a bunch. Remember, the Real Animals podcast is presented by, as always, our good friends at Contender Boats. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, ritampabay.com, and Spotify. It's really important that you remember to subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us out a bunch. We'll be dropping podcasts every other Tuesday, so stay tuned for more great episodes as they come your way. And as always, we appreciate your listening. Thanks so much.